This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We are live with you each and every weekday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific. Federal regulations mandate that pilots must retire when they are 65 years of age, but there's no such law in place for doctors. Now, some hospitals have instituted a policy of review for physicians when they turn age 70, but it begs a question. When are doctors too old to treat patients, and what should the criteria be to determine that? A new report in the Journal of the American Medical Association takes a look at this issue and recommends protocols for testing older doctors for health and competence, though it doesn't specify at what age that should happen. The study estimates uh, estimates about a quarter of all practicing physicians in the U.S. are over the age of 65. We are joined by the three researchers from the University of Washington in Seattle who worked on this report. Joining us, Patchen Dellinger, Professor Emeritus in the Department of Surgery, Thomas Gallagher, Professor in the Department of Bioethics and Humanities, and also joining us, Carlos Pellegrini, who's Chief Medical Officer for the University of Washington Medicine and is also Professor in the Department of Surgery. Patchen, Thomas, thank you very much for joining us. They are, by the way, joining us from uh, radio station KUOW out in Seattle. Patchen, Thomas, thank you for your time today a pleasure to be here good morning thank you both carlos great to have you on the phone with us thank you sir thank you thank you so thomas take us into i guess the 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 kind of the framework we are looking at right now from the medical community in general with the numbers of doctors that are approaching age 65 to 70 years of age and what we could be looking at from an industry perspective as these uh, doctors get older and we have a need for younger doctors in the years to come. Well, we're estimating that almost 250,000 physicians in the U.S. will be 65 years or older uh, in the very near future, which represents almost a quarter uh, of the licensed physicians. Uh, And as physicians uh, age uh, and the population continues to age, the issue of older physicians and how we make sure that they're able to practice safely just will be more and more pressing. So, Patchen, with with the idea of bringing some sort of of program forward to to do reviews. I mentioned that some hospitals are doing this right now. How important potentially is having this type of component in the medical field right now, do you think? I, I think it's very important. Um, there's, there's a history, a long history of testing and uh, monitoring of outcomes in medicine and surgery uh, but uh, it's a, not a foolproof system, and there are uh, there are very compelling data that uh, as as we age, that some of us begin to lose our abilities, while others stay as sharp as they ever were, uh, in combination with the many years of practice and experience that they have, and we don't want to do anything that. Uh, inhibits or or prevents the practice of the uh, old physicians who are doing well, but we also need to make sure that the ones whose skills uh, have uh, decreased uh, 
are not in a position to harm patients. So, uh, Carlos, then, does does the potential of, of having this type of a system in place, does it need to be on a hospital-by-hospital basis, or do, does there need to be a component uh, of government regulation in, in, in this, do you think? Well, my preference would be that this issue would be uh, tackled by more in a local basis than in a in a regulatory basis and that preference is based on the fact that you know from a professionalism point of view um, the profession has been given a certain degree of autonomy to auto regulate itself and i think it would not uh, serve us well if we have a central body imposing the same type of regulations across the border uh, specifically speaking, where it, this could, you know, harm the public would be uh, in in placing the same type of uh, requisites, let's say, for urban physicians than for physicians who practice in, in 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 rural areas. There's a lack of physicians in rural areas. There's a lot less complexity in the rural areas. And imposing the same regulation of both type of physicians might not be useful. The same thing goes on for the type of uh, medical centers or health systems that one, one is talking about. So having a local regulation but having some form of involvement by professional organizations and by the, the, uh, the, the, the profession in general, I think uh, establishing some principles would be good. Thomas, how prevalent now is it that hospitals are considering to have some sort of review process in, in place for uh, for doctors uh, in the in the latter half of their careers? We we don't know for sure. Uh, although I think the number of hospitals that have formal policies to assess physicians' competence as they age is probably between fifteen and thirty. So the the vast vast minority of hospitals in the U.S. have a formal policy. Um, But, you know, part of the problem has been that uh, while self-regulation is the ideal in many respects, the the medical profession doesn't necessarily have a a sterling track record of conducting that self-regulation in the most effective way possible. Uh, And so trying to think through what are some new strategies that allow for that regulation at the local level to function effectively is going to be particularly important for this issue. Okay, so follow up on that, and, and what are some of the things you think potentially need to be put in place, Thomas? I think physicians need to expect over the course of their career, not just as they get older, uh, that more testing and evaluation of their physical health, of their mental health, of their ability to practice safely is part of being a doctor, just like we expect pilots to demonstrate that they can fly safely over the course of their career. Uh, And that's not really the norm at all in medicine currently. Uh, uh, Many uh, uh, boards that certify physicians in different specialties uh, uh, administer regular tests of knowledge, Mm -hmm. but it's not uh, the norm to be testing physicians' physical or mental health or their sort of uh, delivery skills uh, on a regular basis. And we need to get used to doing that throughout our career, not, not just as we get older. Patching your thoughts? Yeah, I ha- I have to agree. Um, it's it's useful that the various specialty boards do 
uh, ask physicians to pass uh, tests of knowledge every 10 years. But as Tom said, that doesn't tell how you apply the knowledge in your actual practice. And um, the people that work with a physician, uh, not only other doctors, but nurses and, and people who work with patients also, uh, observe what's going on and sometimes uh, understand that there are issues with a particular doctor. But um, research that has been done show that doctors and nurses and other health professionals uh, are usually reluctant to bring up concerns to a physician who has been in practice uh, in a place for a while. And as Carlos mentioned, there are differences between uh, physicians practicing in a city or in a large medical center surrounded by other health professionals and someone in a rural area practicing as one or two physicians in, in an office. And we don't want to do something that discriminates against those solo physicians on the one hand. On the other hand, they don't have other people looking over their shoulder to know what's going on and to uh, try to intervene if there are issues. So it's a very complicated area, but one that needs more attention. Well, hey, Carlos, obviously, as Patch just mentioned, uh, age discrimination is, is something that has been brought up quite a bit uh, in the business world over, over the years. And I think there there would be a concern from some people that may, may be advocate in that area that this would be a form of discrimination. Yeah, that that is that is true, and I think that that is what somehow has held back this this idea of of testing beyond knowledge, just testing more the application of knowledge and the ability of an individual to apply that knowledge properly, um, but. To me, part of the secret there is, is something that I think Thomas just mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, that if we start testing everybody at a much earlier age, there are professions that start much earlier, between right. 35 and 40 years of age, then there is no discrimination because what we actually want is to have everybody demonstrate a certain level of physical fitness and mental fitness to be competent to apply the knowledge that they have, and 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 to me, as, as was clearly pointed out before as well, uh, when I said I, I prefer something local, I prefer something local, but in the hands of the institutions, not in the hands of the physicians themselves, because the physicians, as Patch said, have not in the past uh, uh, been individuals that are trained to determine whether somebody else is safe or not. And, and because individually it's very difficult to determine when your skills have decreased. Part of the decrease of the cognitive function is not being aware of one's uh, um, inabilities or disabilities. Does so it, it has to be put outside the physicians themselves and into the, into the hands of professional organizations and local um, local institutions. Tom, how, how much does this also, I, we're talking about it in, in the, the scope of doctors, but how much does this also play into, you know, if you have nurses that, that are getting to a, an older age bracket and other members uh, of, the, of the medical community that would be working in a hospital? I think it applies across the healthcare professions. And 
One of the things that's been so interesting to me, you know, over my career as a physician and an ethicist, I've studied a variety of very complicated and, and sometimes controversial issues, a lot of work on should we tell patients about medical errors and others. And this issue of the aging physician uh, has provoked far more upset uh, amongst my colleagues than any, any other topic that I've ever worked on. And it's been a little bit surprising to me to try to understand why that is. But I think part of it is that, you know, being a physician is so central uh, to many doctors' identity uh, that the thought of giving that up just really um, um, cuts at the core of who they are. And unfortunately, some of that um, kind of emotional reaction makes it harder for uh, organizations to implement um, thoughtful policies around testing physicians as they age because there's so much resistance from the medical staff. Uh, but this ought to be an approach that's applied broadly across healthcare workers. And I guess, Patch, you, you also have to have kind of a uh, some difference in the terms of the criteria between what that doctor has been doing in their career in general. Like if, if somebody is, uh, is uh, you know, somebody that is a, a normal physician seeing uh, patients uh, for checkups and such, it would be different, a different criteria than somebody that has been involved in surgery for the last 30 or 40 years. Oh, oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, every physician and healthcare worker needs to be um, fully mentally competent and have understanding of the knowledge necessary in that field. But a an internist um, needs to know medications and symptoms and how to do an exam, but a surgeon needs uh, very fine motor skills to uh, deal with small blood vessels and, and delicate uh, structures within the human body. So, so there's a physical side to the surgeon that uh, applies to a lesser extent for some other healthcare professionals. But nevertheless, uh, w whatever testing is done and whatever evaluations should obviously uh, reflect uh, what that health professional does. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We're talking about uh, should there be some sort of an age criteria on physicians uh, for being able to practice medicine? We are joined uh, by three doctors from the University of Washington uh, who have looked into this, uh, Patchen Dellinger, Thomas Gallagher, and Carlos Pellegrini. They all join us uh, right now to discuss this. And so I guess, Carlos, then when you're talking about putting an age on this, it's very hard, and you may not even want to put a quote-unquote specific age on. I mentioned the FAA uh, you know, has a criteria at age 65 for pilots. You may not want to do a specific age in this, but have the monitoring from you know, X point on, whether it be age 60, 55, whatever it might be, to have an understanding of what that doctor may or may not be able to do from that point on. Yeah, I think I think we have to uh, somehow strike that balance between when do you start and with what frequency do you want to test a person. And and uh, other professions have uh, dealt with that by decreasing the age, so discrimination does not appear to be as as big a factor, and also by increasing the frequency with which the testing is done as the person gets older. Now, they also have a, a set limit 
beyond which certain tasks are not given to individuals, whether they are still capable of doing them or not. Uh, we, we have not developed that in medicine, and what we are advocating in our work is that we figure out, we, the larger we, professional organizations, healthcare organizations, the profession of physicians through the, their organizations and so forth, what is the best way to, to, uh, to do that to improve the safety with which we do the work we do? Thomas, your thoughts? I do think it's really an important approach, and and sort of ironically, I think physicians uh, uh, make terrible patients, uh, and many physicians <laughs> don't have a primary care physician of their own, a personal physician. Right. So part of what would be so helpful in terms of Patch's recommendations and, and Carlos as well that we start this earlier would be to make sure physicians have a, a personal physician that they're seeing on a regular basis who can assess their physical and mental well-being and their competence um, across their career. This is especially important because uh, over the last you know five to ten years, I think there is increasing recognition of the challenges of physician burnout. Uh, and uh, that's another component of ensuring physicians, regardless of their age, are able to practice safely. But how much? If I, go ahead, Patrick. If I could just comment a couple of things. You mentioned earlier FAA at 65. That's yeah. when pilots can no longer fly commercial airplanes. Yeah. But pilots are being uh, tested and observed in their flying abilities at regular intervals beginning much, much younger than that. Right. So it's important that, that people understand that. And just to follow up on Tom's comment about physicians having primary care practitioners, I'll just say that uh, in my low 30s, I went and made sure that I had an established relationship with a primary care practitioner because a doctor who takes care of himself has a fool for a patient and a fool for a doctor. <laughs> we are joined uh, by Patchen Dellinger and Tom Gallagher of the University of Washington, along with Carlos Pellegrini. Uh, they were talking about their research, which appeared in the Journal of the American Medical Association Surgery, about uh, whether or not there should be some sort of age limit for doctors being able to practice and or do surgery. <laughs> Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. Carlos, it seems like that if you have uh, a, a few medical facilities that are, are actually taking this on as something they believe that they need to have, that it, it might follow suit that we will see more and more facilities doing this on their own, realizing that this is a component that, that maybe needs to be an important part of their process. And, and that is the case, indeed. Uh, you know, it, since this article was written and since uh, we have worked on this as well as others, uh, th there's been a little bit more traction, perhaps not as much as we wish, but many other institutions have now taken this on. It used to be that only, uh, you know, that you could count them with one hand, right. uh, the number of institutions that had it, and now it, it has increased, uh, uh, you know, to, to some extent, but we're talking about having approximately 4,500 to 5,000 hospitals in the United States. And when you say that only 30, 40, 50 of those hospitals are implementing these policies, you can see that there's a long ways to go. What would be the holdup for a, a potentially for a hospital to not have something like this in play, Carlos? 
Well, the the you know the the the, the holdup would be that in a way the hospital uh, becomes responsible if the hospital if the hospital is employing the physician is definitely uh, a, an employer employee responsibility. So by not testing an employee and allowing an employee to uh, do some work in the hospital, the hospital is getting a greater uh, risk on that. If the hospital does not employ the physician but opens this, the, 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 the doors of the hospital for the physicians to practice, and that usually occurs in many hospitals through medical staff affairs office, that tell physicians, yes, you, you should practice here, you can practice here. Uh, there's still a significant responsibility on the part of the hospital uh, for the staff that they, that they have. So our general advice is that the hospitals look into it and try to develop a policy that, that, uh, that is, is, is good for their region and that takes into consideration the needs of the patients and the physicians in the region. Patchen, on your own understanding, and maybe the evidence would be anecdotal for, for this question, but on average, how far into a career do surgeons continue to actually do surgery? Um, I think that's very variable, and and I I don't know of any specific statistics on that. Right. Um, okay. Uh, it's there. There is a a recent uh, article in the New York Times about a physician who was operating at the age a surgeon at the age of eighty, uh, and who was and had and got himself tested uh, at a special program to make sure that he was still doing well. I myself continued until 74, uh, and there are many who stop earlier than that. What was the decision process for you specifically? Well, you know, I got to a certain point where uh, I I knew I could uh, succeed on my uh, retirement account, and my wife (laughs) had been retired for many years beforehand, and I was enjoying what I was doing, and I, I, I thought I was doing a good job, but I I, I thought it was a better idea to uh, stop while I was still doing well and before somebody pulled me aside to say, let's have a conversation. Right. <laughs> and um, and, and I, I had vowed uh, decades earlier that I would, uh, I would stop when I was still at the top of my, uh, my skills, and, and hopefully that's what I did. But, Tom, a, a, a doctors like in, in the case of, of Patchen, and there are many others, they, they still are such a valuable resource to the medical community, even after they would, would stop either practicing medicine or doing surgery on a, on a daily basis. One of the things that's been really interesting about this research has been as we've worked with medical directors who are often the people in hospitals that are making decisions about who's able to keep practicing uh, and in what capacity, they they tend to take two approaches to this problem. Um, they all agree it's a big challenge, uh, but some of the medical directors think it would be great to have a system where we can test physicians, and if you pass the test, you keep practicing, and if you don't pass the test, you're out. Uh, Other medical directors really take a more, I would say, nuanced approach and try to think through. So if you're an older physician and struggling to practice safely on a given set of tasks, 
Can we change the environment? Can we adapt the workplace? Can we help create an environment where you can practice safely? That takes a lot more work and energy to really think through what are the tasks that you can do safely or how do we make best use of your skills. But ultimately, I think it's a lot more effective than just sort of deciding uh, you're, you know, you're too old and thank sure. you for your service. Goodbye. Carlos, how, how, how do you hope that this work that, that you and Thomas and, and Patchen have, have done uh, will be impacting the, the medical community moving forward? This work has uh, really sparked a lot of discussion around the country. Discussions in the American Medical Association, in the American College of Surgeons, discussions in many hospitals, and as 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 this program attests, um, there is an enthusiasm as uh, to to discuss this further, to make it clear that this is an issue that needs to be tackled, and to you know help organizations develop the best ways to to uh, to approach the problem. One of the things that happens in surgeons, don't forget, is that as surgeons get older, they themselves tend to uh, gravitate to to operations that are less complex. Right. So they avoid operating in long and complex cases. So it's very difficult to determine if that particular surgeon, for the type of cases that that particular surgeon is doing, is doing a good job or not. Great having you all with us today. Patch and Thomas, thank you. Carlos as well. Thank you all for your time today. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. And we want to send out a special thank you to the University of Washington for uh, helping us uh, secure the line at uh, KUOW and to all of our friends out there at the radio station as well for helping us uh, put that interview together. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 